1: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Courtside Fracker. We're here again. I'm here with a few friends, a few foes. Uh, Greg, how are you, mate? Hey, you better
3: identify which one I am before you continue, bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Starting things on a very tense note there. Everyone I'm, doing,
3: I'm doing good. I'll assume I'm in the friend category.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'll leave that to your own, to your own uh, deciphering. Anyway, wow. um, Kay, how are you, mate? I already know which one I am. I'm good, man. Can't complain. Okay, can't even see your face. You look you look fantastic. Anyway, um, and last but definitely not wow. least, Yaz, how are you doing, my good friend?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny you say good friend, because I'm just looking up and down. I'm thinking, Canyon and you are Laker bros. Can't be Canyon. Greg's hmm. too new to have upset you yet. <laughs> so it narrows it down very, very quickly. So... But you've said good friends, so I'm good, yeah. I mean, that's reassuring. That's
1: glad. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I am glad to hear it. No, no, no. I was messing around. You guys are all, obviously, my friends. Um, but yeah, another week in the NBA, guys. Another week in the NBA. Um, my goodness. It feels like every week in the NBA is like a whole new story. I can't even remember what happened last week. So much has happened. First of all, namely, um, the, the awful all-star votes that I've, that we've been seeing. Um, there's been... There was a whopping amount of votes for an injured Clay Thompson who hasn't played basketball in the last two seasons. Um, we have we had nominations for Carmelo Anthony and D Rose, both playing the least minutes and sh- and averaging the, the least amount of points in their whole careers. Um, guys, what do you make of that? What's, what's going on, Greg? Your thoughts?
3: It has always been and will always be a popularity contest. Hmm. I'm pretty sure Yao Ming could, could come out of retirement and lead the whole NBA, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll start voting if we wanted to. <laughs> so, am I surprised? No, um, but it is what it is. I think this is why they give the final say or a percentage of the waiting to the coaches as well mm. just so that you don't have you know a tackle four playing point guard in, <laughs> in the West <Wolfsburg> <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah it i do definitely think it is it is more of a popularity contest and people just want things that are crazy to occur it's almost like like some sort of crazy exhibition game that people just want to happen um but for the first time in i think since it's it's, it's, it's ever it's ever come about since it's ever started we have had a lot of we have a lot had a lot of outcry against it particularly in a COVID hit season so there were some players who namely did come out and speak Um, Kawhi Leonard came out and spoke De'Aaron Fox came out and spoke Uh, Janice Antetokounmpo came out and spoke and the face of the NBA LeBron James came out and spoke which is which when he does say something normally um, Adam Silver does tend to listen some of the quotes were quite interesting so this is LeBron yeah, James. Can I
0: just stop you there, Harold? Because I oh, yeah. something I found funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Aaron Fox was definitely the first guy to come out, like matter-of-factly, and say this is stupid. Yeah. And then all now, every article is like NBA agrees with LeBron James that yeah. All-Star Game is.
2: When you yeah. find the rule book, let me know. No, when you find the rule book, let me know. Because right now there are no rules, and well and truly, no one cares about the Aaron Fox. <laughs> it's good that he raised the point, but let's be honest. Now we know who really
1: matters. No, but I've, I think you know they, they all, de- particularly De'Aaron Fox, spoke quite candidly, and I do want to quote what he says. He says, "I want to be brutally honest. I think it's stupid. Just that, just that. Come, come out and said. Obviously, he said that he will play if he, um, if he gets picked because obviously I, the, guy, the guy doesn't want to get fined. He, he knows it's all about money." But it it doesn't make sense. LeBron came out and said, in fact, Yanis came out and said, first and foremost, said, right now, I don't really care about the All-Star game without fans. It's just a farce. Like, what is the point of the game? And LeBron came out. And LeBron has obviously been speaking like 18th year in the season. He's got so much energy. He comes out and says, no energy for it right now. I'll be there physically, but not mentally. Yeah, it is. It is a bit of a farce. Yes, yeah, I will. I will ask you. What do you. What do you make of it all? Do you feel like it should just be scrapped, or are you just pushing it? Is, is it more of a money game? Like, what's going on?
0: Hundred percent, scrap it. Hundred percent, scrap it. I, they. So Kawhi was the only one who really said the whole profit over people alluded to that kind of thing. As a matter of factly, no one cares. Like everyone's just trying to get through the season. The likelihood, to be honest, is like. The way I see it is we'll need another bubble for the playoffs anyway, unless there's a radical, radical shift in the next five months. Yeah. It just feels so unnecessary. Every single player has who's been asked. The best responses have been, hey, you know, you know, it's part of the job, part of the job. It's like it's it's and the NBA is so tone deaf with it. Like they're really still trying to plug, vote All Star, vote All Star. Chris Paul and Adam Silver to sit down and talk about, maybe they'll do a dunk contest as well, guys. And then the commentators, obviously, are all, like, when you listen to the broadcast, they're all being egged on, like, hey, it might be his first one. It's so tone deaf. It's like someone bragging about an all-expenses holiday that they've booked for their missus. Meanwhile, their missus is telling everyone, no, we're done. Like, it's so, (laughs) so tone deaf and just awkward. And I think the best point I've seen made about it is, like, there's just a bit of a trust issue as well in that it was a difficult situation anyway to have the season and there was big crunch talks about that and players didn't really want to start it as early as they did but obviously windfall, Christmas, money, everything but now it kind of feels like all right we've got you in the door we've got everyone playing and let's just go do this unnecessary thing in Atlanta as well and I think, I think they just need to be sensible about the message it leaves with the players I think it could get not nasty because everyone's just going to get on with it, but it just, it won't look good for a league that is always championed as the better league compared to things like the NFL and whatever, um, of how they look after players and everything. I think they just need to be, be sensible, but I don't know what kind of precarious financial position the league is in, but. um It's just marketing. Yeah, but just. They, they, they
3: want to, they want to label players as all-stars because it helps to market and promote players. And then from a, from a historical standpoint, they want to be able to look back in like fifteen years time and say like, "Oh, John Morant was a fifteen-time All Star or something," and they don't want yeah, to have you can it still like
0: name them. You can. St- I don't mind the voting. You still, I still am excited about chatting about who should make it. Whatever. We had a good. Fun. But they, they,
3: they can't. They can't label people as All Stars without an All Star game. Yeah, it you doesn't...
0: Can. of course they can. The you game, can, but it doesn't game is look just good a joke anyway. Like, <laughs> the game is just a Nets game. It doesn't even make sense. Like, it's, it's silly. Like, it's it's yeah. all about the recognition from your peers and the coaches and the fans and whatever. Than the actual game the game is i get it that like, it's fun and stuff but for this season it just the voting is enough like if I, if I was a player and i got voted an all-star the game would be secondary to me like mm. and the weekend of of fun which they're not allowed
1: yeah it's true it's true um yeah that's just the second time we will we will move on but I, I, I do know what you guys mean and i think that a lot of it is attached to the fact of it is a strange season but i think adam silver is doing his best to make it seem like it's not Kind of make it seem like it's a normal average season, but sometimes you just you kinda of ignore what's so blatantly in front of you.
0: But the, um, the only thing before we move on, what I don't understand, I want to see how this develops in the next few days is there's been this chat about it's Adam Silver and the uh uh MBEPA, uh, yeah the Players Association. Yeah. And but so but every player seems to be against it. But someone in the MVPA must be sitting down and having these agreements. So I don't know how that's gonna exactly shake out. I don't know. Maybe Chris Paul's just... too much money
3: on the line.
0: Maybe when Chris Paul sees that he wasn't high in the fan voting, they might... It might uh, bring it back a little bit. Maybe he just was still riding off that OKC high.
1: Yeah, possibly, possibly. Look, it it is is all... It's just a strange situation. And from one strange situation, I will go to another. Um, KD. KD played um, a game the other night against the Toronto Raptors. In... In that game, he was initially listed as out because I kept seeing notifications on my fantasy team. If any of you guys play fantasy, you keep seeing notifications, oh, KD is now out. KD is now game day, um, game day decision. KD is now healthy. I was like, how is this happening while the game is going on? Turns out he did start <laughs> the game. He was initially listed as out. Um, and then a few, like late in the first, he then comes into the game. He plays 19 minutes of that game. And then they're like, okay, wait a second. No, 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 you can't play anymore come out of the game then he's listed it out again such a strange sequence of events Canyon, what do you what do you make of it all <clears throat> it's
2: all about the money 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 so basically they just it's just so dumb because well and truly you can't now pull kd out of a game saying safety first like the whole issue as well like there was a false positive test and then there was maybe not a test, then there was. So he's played the first quarter, the first half, whatever, exposed to God knows who. And then half time be like, you know what? That's enough exposure. Get him out. And so you can't now have this stance with KD playing the game and then decide that you want to have an all-star weekend. It both ties in just how nonsensical that the league decision-making has been like the last few weeks. And like I said, normally, the league is something that's looked upon like, oh, this is like a pioneer. They're doing so well. they just had a week of no positive tests, blah, blah, blah. Compared to like the NFL and their social problems, blah, blah, blah. And then now this has happened with KD. And even KD, who is vocal in a sense of like his personal situations and of the game. But when it comes to stuff like um, the COVID stuff, he's not really said much. He kind of just wants to play ball. He's kind of keeping his head down. And then now this, he's tweeting during the game, free me. And, like, it's, to be fair, it's just all a mess. And you can see, like, there's no synchronicity between the league and the players at this point. And it's definitely going to come and bite them in the ass probably soon.
0: It, yes, feels yes. Like, it feels like they just thought, we don't really know, but it's KD. So just, yeah, yeah. Sh- yeah, just, yeah, Just go play him. And then they got a fucking proper one. And they are, oh, all right, yeah, we've we got to take. They just got, I think they just got caught trying to just not bring the, the nets, whoever makes these decisions. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was weird because I, I saw Shams and Woj came out and they
1: tweeted and they were like, oh, um, KD has come into um, interaction with a person who had an inconclusive COVID, COVID, COVID test. And it's like, OK, cool. Go ahead and oh, let's just, let's just be safe and, and we'll keep you out. Suddenly they change their mind and they play. And then later on the afternoon, they said that the test came back as positive. They're like, no, no, no okay, grab him out of the game. It was just, it was, it was complete. he's also
2: tested positive recently as well. So that's another thing. No, but and obviously they, he's, come they, back, he, he's come back fine, of course, but then obviously he's been in contact with someone again, so.
1: No but, no, but but then they said in the last 24 hours, they tested him three times and he came back negative all three times. So yeah. it's all, it's all weird. It's all weird.
2: Yeah, but, I'm talking about in the past when he was tested, but yes, um, yeah, it's yeah, still, yeah, still, yeah, it's still all weird.
1: Yeah, but from the weird to the downright brilliant, Frederick Van Vliet, or for those of you who like Drake, you, you you might have seen him. Um, he's courtside. Um, courtside mic uh, pickup. He called him Frederico Van Vliet one time a few years ago. Um, Fred Van Vliet, he had a fantastic game the other night. It feels like an absolute age ago. guys and I were saying in pre-production. Um, he dropped a whopping. 53 po- 54 points, rather, eclipsing um, DeMar DeRozan and Vince Carter as, as the all-time Toronto Raptors um, points in a, in a single game. He also eclipsed um, the amazing Moses Malone um, for, for most points by an undrafted player. For those of you who don't know, he went undrafted in the 2016 draft. Um, he then got picked up in the NBA Summer League um, by the Toronto Raptors and most recently this year signed a four-year, $85 million contract with them. It was a bit of a belated sign of that contract actually because I think there was a lot a little bit made about it. He did say that he does want to stay, but Raptors looked like they were weighing up their 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 options there. But eventually um Usai said yeah look you're you're staying with us and it looks like it paid dividends. It was a 54 point game he was incredibly efficient from the field it was a it was a, it was a great great performance guys that's that's pretty much the week the week's roundup but let's let's get on to our main focus for this week. So first and foremost we're talking Old school versus new school basketball. Which I'm so happy to have you on, Greg. Okay, because I know you are—you are—you're an old head in a young man's body. So this, Chuck- is, this
3: narrative is false. <laughs> <laughs> you old.
1: Chuck Chuck came out and said on NBA TNT, and you know, you know, Chuck is a bit of an enigmatic character. He has some awful takes. He's very hyperbolic, but sometimes he speaks some truth. He came out and he said, "Y'all just sit there and watch the stupid ass basketball, just jacking up threes all night." So he came out and said that, and there was a, there was a few quote teats, and people were speaking about it: old school versus new school basketball. Um, is it enjoyable? Is it entertaining now? Is it less focused on defense, etc.? But the one game particularly comes to mind is the uh the Western Conference finals with uh the Rockets versus Golden State, where they shot 27 threes in a row, jacked them up consistently when, when CP3 was out injured and they had a great chance to win that to win that series. But Greg, I'm gonna to come to you. What do you What do you make of it all? Is this a Is this just people uh, living in some sort of um, past, enjoying what's what, what what how their life was back in those days, or do you think the quality of basketballs gotten better? Do you think offensive plays are better? Do you think there's less focus on defense, etc.? What are your thoughts?
3: I think it's it's interesting to see the two kind of um, sides that people took because on one side you have people saying that Barkley's telling the truth, and on the other side you have people saying that like he's just complaining and he wasn't a good three-point shooter himself and so on and so forth and while that is true I do think it's kind of hard to to dismay what Barkley was saying in the sense that obviously there's an increase in three-point shooting in today's NBA and I think oftentimes what Barkley was kind of getting at is that you have teams and players that can't really shoot the three and they're just forcing the three and so in that Mavericks game specifically now the Mavs are I know we're going to talk about the Mavs a little bit later but they're one of the one of the worst three-point shooting teams they in the are, They are
1: the worst. They are, they they are, are the worst.
3: Luca. <clears throat> and then here they are just jacking up threes um, in this game versus the Warriors. And then as you as you mentioned, to do with the defense, like in the NBA, obviously, um, again, for those that maybe are, are newer to watching basketball, over the last 20, 25 years or so, there's been a number of rules changes in the NBA to kind of basically enhance offense and then limit defense. And I think like, Funnily enough, if you look at this most recent week of basketball, so you talked about Fred Van Vliet dropping 54. You had Kelly Oubre drop 40. You had Malik Monk off the bench, who is a 10 point per game guy this season, drop 36. And then the Wizards drop 149 in regulation. So, like,
1: <laughs> now that last one was this funny. is just reason.
3: the most recent week of basketball. And you've got like role players. These are not all stars. There's not Hall of Famers, just mm-hmm. starters and bench guys dropping 40 with ease. And then teams scoring a buck 50 in 48 minutes. Hmm. And I think one of the one of the biggest misconceptions from maybe newer NBA fans is that, you know, the higher the, the score in the game, the more fun the game is. When in actual fact, I think nine times out of 10, people would agree that like a lower scoring game that's, that is closer tends to be more entertaining. And it's funny because if you look at the All-Star game over the recent years, you know, there was getting to a point in time where back-to-back years, teams were putting up 190 points in the All-Star game. And people, you know, fan, fans, whether you were an old-school fan or a new-school new school fan, were complaining that this isn't entertaining and it's just kind of boring watching these guys score so many points. And then, you know, uh, the NBA had that change. They changed it to team captains, and the scoring came down, albeit it's still the All-Star game. So they still scored, you know, 140, 150 points a game. But it just goes to show that scoring more points doesn't necessarily mean to a more entertaining basketball game.
1: However, I mean, however, Greg, but you, you say that, but look, no one... Well, okay, look, I, I, I say this as a as a blanket statement for, for people. People don't tune into the NBA for great defence, do they? they, they no, they, but they
3: tune in for a good game.
1: And true. part of a good game it's is true. having the balance of
3: defence. So yeah. when you remember that... Is, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're
1: right. But I mean, say for, like you said, there's many role players who are now getting hot. Isn't isn't that a great incentive for any any young man coming through um in the yeah. NBA that, look, okay... I can come out and I can I can state my claim. I can, I can hit a career high. I, I, I can hit a franchise high and that can make no, my because career. There's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with
3: that. But what it does is you've, you've diluted the importance of something happening. So whereas maybe if you looked at the NBA 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, you know, if a player went off for 40, that was like a big thing. Yeah. If a player hit 50, that was happening a few times a season. Whereas now you're seeing players that aren't as good, you know, scoring those numbers, and it's like, well, all of a sudden, the importance of this or the effect of this is just being
0: kind of watered down. Fair enough. Fair
1: yeah. enough. No, I am. I, I am. I
0: think the one for me is, it's the discrepancy between the regular and the postseason, where it makes it look worse, Greg. In mm. that you're, you, like, you're saying the role players come out and will hit thirty-four or whatever, and man like Norman Powell and people like that are just going off. When it comes to the postseason, that, that is just—it's not going to happen. It won't happen. They shouldn't do it. Not, they won't oh, be allowed to do it. And I think the
3: bubble—the bubble was a little bit of an exception because you saw Murray averaging like, well, yeah, the fire. bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Said, that
0: is the other thing. I do wonder if, like this, you say Washington 150 points. I do wonder if again this season with empty arenas and everything, I do wonder if that's maybe a factor as well. We'll have to see. But I do feel like the NBA—NBA NBA does have a little product problem. Which is unescapable of the 82 game season that is a thing that people can dismiss doesn't matter until the playoffs. It's Relative. the quality
2: of the season ultimately. Mm-hmm. This is it. And I think I think you need okay. to you
0: need to do what you can, Canyon, to in, to keep that as competitive as possible. And if teams are just gonna, ah, uh, yeah, you know what, we'll sit off and take threes and whatever, and we'll just shoot tonight because we're feeling a bit leggy and we don't want to get down in the post or run the floor too much. That's not going to help the whole regular season, postseason split. That's where my main concern with it is. That's the nature of
2: the league now, though. Like, I even said it, like, during that day, if anyone remembers, like, the New Year's Resolution pod. I told you, like, stop shooting this shit. And just like Gregor said now, teams will just end up, and Charles even said it a lot more eloquently than me. Now you guys just watch this rubbish basketball, which is not, obviously, but throwing up shots and when you don't really have the ability to do that. And not get me wrong, these are NBA players, They're all quality players. But like Greg said, like, even when it comes down to stuff like triple doubles as well, it used to be a case of, um, I think, 50 or so, or I'll, I'll double check the stats. But the majority of LeBron's career um triple doubles have come after 2014. And that's yeah, like after where, year 15. Yeah, after year 15. And this is supposed to be, don't get me wrong, like, he's obviously slowed down, but he's still amazing. But this so-called impossible feat is now becoming much more regular as he gets older and slower. So that really shouldn't be a thing. If you really look at if you really look at it for what it is, and there's a there's a fine line between the players and I think the way the game
3: is played and like stats are recorded now, because when you talk about like the past, people always think you're talking about like 1992 or something. Like no, even as recently as like 2012, the game in 2012 and 13 was vastly different to the way it is now. Yep.
1: But uh, let let me let me ask you, Yaz, I'll come to you on this point. I think we all agree that it is definitely more entertaining. We have a closer game. Um, really, really, really recent. We had a game last week. Um, I can't remember if it was last week or early this week. We had um, both of our teams come against each other: the Boston Celtics versus the Lakers, and that was that was a game which was which was which was, which was sub hundred points, which was like wow. But it was a, it was a good game to watch, very I loved entertaining. That game. It was 96-95. ninety six ninety five. a great 95. game.
0: Yes. Yeah, great game. Shaq on Wednesday said it was crap because I don't know maybe he's more new school than I thought. Maybe he does. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it was it was brilliant. It was it was like a dogfight. It was sick, and there was a it was but but I think it was because you had two good defensive teams. That's what it is. Yeah. Like the Lakers are an amazing defensive team, and the Celtics had to step it up because they were, they were they were they were they were small, but they had to step it up against LeBron and AD and stuff. And that is what defines it. Is, is, is if you have teams that are locked in and not willing to give that stuff up, then it just, everything else just evens out. And I think the, the game that Chuck was talking about, that first Warriors-Mavs game, right? That was the one yeah. he was like, talking about. Yeah. And that, like the second, the one last night was a lot more fun, even though it was high scoring. And the one last night was good. Um, but that first one, it it did feel silly. Like that game in particular was just like, what is, what is this? It, is, it was weird. Like <laughs> Exactly. And The funny
3: thing is for me is I, I turned the game off at halftime and I went to bed. It was, and wasn't it 76,
0: at my, 75 at halftime? Something so, like
3: that. And I looked at my phone and I saw the Barkley comment and I was like, oh, so <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs>
2: yeah. And the thing is as well, and I know there's like this dispute going along on the timeline and such saying that, um, that this is probably the best basketball has been, blah, 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 blah. And don't get me wrong. I think at this point now, maybe there's the talent is more widely spread, perhaps like there's a lot more teams with good players which is fine. And I'm not saying players were bad in the past, but there's a lot more teams with higher quality players. But it's also the point that there's a lot more teams that when they're playing, like, you can clearly see it's just not fun. Like, the quality of basketball is not good. Like, you'll get a long rebound, to come out to the halfway line, one pass, you take a three. And and if you've played any level of basketball, if you did that, your coach is hauling you off. And (laughs) it's just zero, 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 like accountability like want to play okay kind of okay, okay.
1: Let, me, let me let me come to you let me ask you so i, I think we, we like I said we do all agree that um it's more entertaining to have those closer games so yeah. what, so so what do you think it's come down to what what is the big change in in this league is it because now the three-point shot is suddenly way more attractive is it because oh. there's less focus on defense because there's from, the well,
2: I think the thing is as well it came from when as soon as they removed hand checking and then the year after they removed it like scoring skyrocketed. And from there, it was just going to be a, a steady slope to what it is now. Like, it's not I'm not saying it's a bad thing that players score a lot, but at the same time, it's like, once you make it harder for players to defend, then people are going to put up these silly numbers. Like I was watching the Mavs game and Andrew Wiggins has jumped in the air, landed in the same spot, but Lucas jumped into him and got him three free throws from that. And these kind of things kind of inflate the numbers you have today because they're not allowing people to kind of play defense as you probably be able, should to be. Like normally so when people do stuff like that it kind of adds up and yeah i think the league wants the league to be like offensive as possible because it's entertaining but i think it's gone over to a point now where they're, tr- they're having problems with the products like the balance is upset balance is upside down yeah. because the playoff and the regular season disparity is actually quite scary like the wizards can't score and they're scoring 140 points a game like what's up with that And you know they won't reach the playoffs. And the teams that will reach the playoffs, it'll go all the way down to like 80, maybe 90. And there'll be good quality games. So you really have to wonder, like, what's the priority? And of course, maybe it's the length of the season or maybe it's the coaching decisions and people can't be bothered because they're leggy and so forth because of travel. But yeah, I think it's a a fine balance that needs to be struck. And they're a long way from it at at this point in time.
1: Cool. All right, cool. Fair enough. Thank you for that, guys. I'm going, to, I'm going to move on to the Mavericks. I'm, I'm move on to the Mavericks. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move on to the, the, the Dallas Mavericks. We haven't spoken about them since, I think, as our Stocks um, podcast that, that we had a few weeks ago. They're an intriguing team, to say the least. Um, some people, Greg, Greg, Greg's on to screw face me in just a moment. Some people had um, the young man, Luka Doncic, to become the next face of the NBA, to, to, to actually make a push for the MVP this season. Um, they're currently 10 and 14 in the West. They're 14th out of 15th in, in the West. They did have a very big win yesterday against Golden State, of course. Um, they're 19th in offensive, offensive efficiency, complete contrast what they were last year, topping that, um, they're dead last in three point percentage. Luca, although he's shooting badly this year, he's shooting 32% from beyond the arc. He's, he's got slightly less, he's averaging slightly less points than last year, but. Despite all of that, he is at the Falcon for anything good um, that the Mavs are doing this year. He's actually started to play defence, if you haven't... if No one's been able to know. He's actually playing some defence. It's, it's incredible. The main person I do want to speak on is Paul Zingas. Obviously, he came back a little bit late. He had his knee surgery. He's shooting 31% from the three. That's only improved this week. Last week, he was shooting 29% overall. Um... He looks like he's just less mobile. Um, he looks like he doesn't, he can't rim protect like he used to. There was one play in particular against John Collins against the Hawks, where um, Maxi Kleber was was um, was guarding him on 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 the baseline. baseline is about to come up for a reverse layup. K. Peast is underneath the rim and just it just moves off of him. He's like he doesn't even want any, any part of John Collins. He was under no in, no intensity whatsoever. Guys, what? So yes, I'll start with you because I know how much you love Luca, and I know how much you want him to be um in your in your playoff um not playoff in your in your all star list. What is going on in in Dallas?
0: Well, on, firstly, on Luca, we'll talk Luca because Luca was great last night. Um, the MVP shouts were way premature, anyway. Like those that came in preseason, it, like that was way premature, and I think in the preseason, I was I've said that was like three years off. Especially when you look at who's still around in terms of the Lebron's and Kawhi's and Giannis and whatever, who are way more advanced and, in their games and in the league and everything like that. MVP in his third year was never going to happen, um, but I think you're right to start with Porzingis. I think I think Dallas have a whole roster problem. If I'm they honest, do. Yep. Um, Richardson. Um, yeah, they've got a lot. I think if, if you look down their roster, Richardson. But the speed. I, like thing, Richardson. I, will, I will say they've been they've been ravaged with COVID. And injuries and stuff as well, and that is a Wizards caveat, and, and every team has to deal with that. Richardson's been out for a noticeable amount of time. Has yeah. been Clever. out for a lot yep. of time. Porzingis obviously has just come back. The yep. Porzingis thing, though, before we talk about Dallas more widely, because it is surprising how how poor they've been. Um, I, I thought they'd hover more around eighth and and that. Um, Porzingis looks bad. He bad. has just come back, but it, I, I jokingly put him on that drying rack image on the Twitter. Because um, he's washed up, anyway, uh, <laughs> but um. Anyway, he's looking. He's looking twenty six, going on forty, man. He's um. He's well, he's done. His Hands aren't good. The, like the percentages do him a bit more justice than he's actually looking. Like he's Correct. not not anything like a second option on a yeah. playoff West team. He's um. Defensively, he's poor. He he looks like they they're talking like oh we need to play him in the post more because okay. Yeah, he looked good at, in the post against Golden State in the last two games because they, their max player, their highest player was six foot eight in Draymond because mm-hmm. they had so many injuries. So, okay, he's able to go over people right now, but he's not going to be a post player, I don't think, against good post defenders because he's just he doesn't look mm-hmm. comfortable in his body right now. He, and then people are talking like, oh, what can the Mavs do roster-wise? And again, talk about maybe the roster a little bit later. But then when you sort of put forward Porzingis right now as a trade piece, I, If I was any team right now, I would not be but comfortable.
2: no value. No <laughs> way whatsoever. Not for that kind of money. No like, way, Jose.
0: People are talking about the Knicks winning the trade now and all sorts. Like no, 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 no. 29 no, like,
2: no. M's. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm wearing a Paul Zingis jersey now because obviously Colt legend back in New York going to when they were asking who when he got drafted. Well, obviously that's a long time ago. But for what he is now, like he has said, don't get me wrong. He looks great. Like posting up Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Um, uh, in the last game because obviously they try getting to get mis-touches early and um, How about you do
1: it against someone your size Chris Wood Voucher yeah, yeah, um, like Jackson alluded to it like yeah,
2: getting his touches early but then in reality the fact that he's not a good post player is disgraceful to be 7-3 by the way 7-3 three. Three. yeah exactly and even if you're posting up better defenders you're still 7-3
1: however however K however K you have to remember he did just come back from a knee surgery
2: listen he's also very fragile of course but at the
3: same,
1: I don't care if
0: he's in a
2: wheelchair. He's seven foot three.
1: <laughs>
0: seven foot three. And also as well, the problem is, if he was in a wheelchair, I guess he wouldn't yeah. be. The problem is, as well, one thing, maybe the one technicality nah.
2: i nah, the problem is as well at the fact that he's seven three. He's more content to be on the perimeter. And don't get me wrong, that that feeling was kind of stoked a lot more in New York because they gave him the freedom to do that because they were asked then. But now that's kind of settled into like a habit now. And we saw it before with like Embiid a bit. He got too comfortable out on the perimeter. And that was arguably one of his worst years that he's had in like his five, six years in the league. Whereas Pozingis has no effort whatsoever or any inkling of interest to be down in the post. And at seven three, he's not a very good rebounder as well. And so and it's a shooting guard. Winning. He's a shooting guard. He's, a, he's a seven foot-three shooting guard. And for someone who can't rebound at that height. And especially if he doesn't want to be under the rim. I, like Greg said, there's no real value for you in this league, especially when you're they're a. They're the second worst rebounding team in the league. Like, come on now, like. Something Greg,
1: to... Greg, I do want to ask you because I, I did, I did prefix this whole segment on on the Mavs about Luka Doncic. What you, what are you making of his, of his, of his season so far, and the effects having on the I mean, Mavs,
3: team? Co- coming off of last season into this season, you saw the the full Luka hype train. Luka hype train was like full steam ahead, and like you alluded to, like those MVP. Uh, promotions or whatever were, were very premature, um, and I think even you guys did run the poll at the start of the season, like who's better, or who do you, who do you want to base your team around, Luca or Yanis? And it was like two thirds Luca, and I was saying like, what is this madness? Like, why why is Luca being crowned the new face of the league all of a sudden? You know, they were seventh in the West last season, um, weren't good defensively, but but you know were in the playoffs. This season they're second to last. Um, in the West, they didn't have a great off-season. They lost Seth Curry, who is looking like one of the mo- Who looks like now, in, in hindsight, one of the most valuable pieces because of the spacing he brings to the 76ers. Lot, yeah. And he's not and even playing well. That's the worst. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously now, the, the Mavs are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So you're looking at that like, damn, we really should have kept him. Um, you know, Luca's scoring is there. His shooting is not good, which is rare for a European player. His passing, he can make some great passes at times. Um, but I think he's one of these players that it's you can't put the blame on him, per se. You can't. Although he does have flaws because, again, the roster around him is just trash. But I do think he's starting to fall into that kind of empty stats. Um, what empty stats He's just collecting rebounds for the sake of collecting rebounds. Oftentimes, he just sags off his defensive assignment to grab them. Like Russ. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Wait, at the just, end of the day, what do you, what do you want him to do? The I, roster don't, I don't is think
0: rubbish. I, I get it. I think there's, there's a, maybe a degree of, yeah, triple, double, honey. I don't think he's quite there. um, And I think it's an interesting point that, you know, sagging off and to get them. But then, like you said, he's he's the best pass. Well, he's all they have. The whole offensive scheme is completely Luka dependent. Yeah. Again, it's Rick- a bit of a failing on Rick Carlisle because he has to come out at some point. He's playing silly minutes and... And Jalen Brunson's had a nice season, but he's not able to just run the same scheme. But I think part of it is you just want the ball in his hands all the time, and if that's going to come from a rebound, arguably that might not be on him. That might be a a scheme thing. Um, But like, this is the thing. But you tell me what is the line between empty stats and just doing everything you can to carry a team? Because if you look around, Luca. Josh Richardson, we don't know yet because you know, injury, COVID, whatever. But then you're looking at like Tim Hardaway Jr., who's been he's in and out of the starting lineup. I like Tim Hardaway Jr., but he's been the second option on this team. And then you've got Finney Smith, again, like decent two-way player. No. Uh Trey, Rick Carlisle played eight guys last night. And they don't have a lot of injuries. He's done with Trey Burke, he's done with Corley Stan. He's playing Dwight Powell again coming back off an injury. So that their rosters either hurt or just not really good enough for where you want a Luka team to go. So my thing is, I just, I think Luca's class. I think people are too, too jumping the gun on what a third-year player is able to do because, you know, come in and, and the numbers and from Real Madrid and all that sort of stuff. But what's the what's the line? Like, when does actually... Well,
3: it's not, it's not so, so much Luka as it like, is,
0: is... He's doing what, what he's able to do.
3: It's not so much Luka as the way in which NBA fans perceive the numbers. Yeah. So NBA fans, like, a lot of the time, I believe, when it comes to Luca, anyway, is that people just look at the highlights, they see a couple step-back threes, they look at the box score, hear the hear the commentator talk, talk about the box score. He had 27, 11, and 10. And they're like, oh, well, he had 27, I saw a couple of step-back threes, and he had a triple-double. So he must have been, you know, balling out. He must have been impacting the game. Yeah. And it's like, if you actually watched it, it's like, yeah, you know, he has a very high usage, Um, you know, rebounding is... Eh, and it's like, well, if you actually sat down and watched, you would see that his numbers don't necessarily reflect the impact that you would that you would associate them, those numbers with. Not to take away anything from Luca, but I'm just saying, like, people see something and then it's like, okay, it must have been
2: great.
0: I get, I, I agree with you that I don't like the perception of him, like, and, and as NBA fans in general are jarring, like people box jump. Bot
2: score bandits.
0: Bot score boys. Bot score bandits will come up with loads of B words for that. I'm sure, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I just I just feel a bit bad for him. Like they were, they, what was it? They, what was their losing streak this year? They went on like five or six straight, and they they've yeah, yeah. And I don't really see where it gets better for them. And and Rick Carlisle I think is culpable a little bit as well. Obviously, you've got this talent in Luca. And well, what was it last night? It was um, I don't know, I can't remember his, his box score, but 42, it was, forty-two, I think something like that. It was yeah, forty-two. Yeah, so he matched his career high and twelve assists. And and if you wanted to come away from box score. He went toe-to-toe with Curry. He got seven or 12 of his threes. So the, the, the shot dropped and some difficult ones as well last yeah. night. Um, he read the double team at the very end to, to play in clever for the for the dagger three at the end. So, like, he, he made big plays. He made some good he's, – he's a better man-to-man defender than I've seen him before, even if he doesn't really know where he is in Correct. team. He doesn't know where he is team-wise yet. But, again, that's on Rick Collar. I just think to myself, you've got to have a bit of movement. You've got to have a bit of – accountability to these other guys don't go for the threes he's Rick Carlisle said oh we're not as bad a shooting team as we're shooting but it's like yes yes you are it's, it's you very are simple I've always said the sign of a good player and I've credited like Trey Young for it I've credited Jalen Brown for it I've credited Luca for it I, I think the sign of a good player is when the shot's not falling go and find another way to be effective and score. So Lucas, Lucas yeah. draws contact maybe too much for my liking, but he's amazing in the post. He's a great low post player. He'll bring other people into play. That's the same with a coach. If the shot is not falling and you're 10 and 14 and you need to make the most out of players that maybe you don't rate, Rick carlisle has got to do something about that. And I get his royalty in Dallas and I understand that, but... And the roster, I hear all of that, and it's a difficult season. But I, I'm I'm a bit disappointed when I watch them that there's no ideas besides Luca save us, and that's I guess what's most disappointing for me about Dallas. And unless there's a big sort of shift in that mentality, I don't really know where they're going to go this year.
1: So from Dallas all the way to Utah, we have a team quietly going about their business, um, somehow not getting as much as many reports as 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 you would. get. I guess it's, it's normal, isn't it? It's it's, it's a superstar driven league, isn't it? But they are top of West. They are top of the West. They are. They have gone eighteen. They are eighteen for five. So they've won eighteen, lost five. Um, Rudy Gobert looks like he's thriving under the under the pressure. He was obviously um, notoriously down as NBA's uh, COVID patient zero. He looks like he's forming a good relationship there with with Spider. Um, he's also clapping back a lot more. He has this. He has this hashtag he has at the at the moment. Um, as fuck your predictions. I think that's a clap back to Shack. Um, he's come out and he's been quite vocal, and he's to be fair, he's plays matched it as well. Him and him and Spider or, um, or or Donovan Mitchell, as as many many other people know him as, they play quite well. They're down, they're enjoying life. Uh, Ingles, look, look, Utah, are looking all right. They're looking. They definitely good. don't get along though. However, how, yeah, no, I know. Okay, yeah, I was actually going to mention that because I mentioned that last year. But I would say is this: I think we do need to be careful. How how good are they? Okay, I, I'll come to you. How good. are, are this youth, our team?
2: Very. And normally, I think if I lose to like previous seasons, I'll normally say this is just the normal well-coached Quinn Schneider team, of course, because they've had moments where they've been well-coached before when Conley was the main man before and such, and Gobert was in his infancy. And then when they got to the playoffs, they've kind of like stumbled a bit. But of course they weren't leading the West at that point. But now I think it's a case of, they've got Donovan Mitchell who, whatever Shaq says, clearly not true that he's very clear, very clear an all-star and can maybe take that next jump, whatever yeah. that might be. So they've got him there firstly and they have just one what two well-run team. And thirdly, like, like you said, Rudy Gobert, like his play is kind of backing up exactly what people were hating on. Like they're paying him 200 million, but even though he's a, just a defensive player, he's still, lead, he's probably arguably the defensive player of the year this year. And yeah. I think at this point, a runaway candidate, candidate, sorry. So yeah, I think, With those two leading, Hmm, interesting what
3: can happen to your team when you have a center that plays defense.
2: We'll get to that. We'll get to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that.
2: But yeah, I think as it stands, like the Jazz.
0: Also, maybe get to the uh, playoff matchup those two players had uh, last season. Anyway, Um, we're talking about
2: now.
1: (laughs) We're (laughs) talking about now.
0: When I came into this podcast, bro, I came into this podcast today and I said, I'm not allowing it. To descend into Jokic Mb. That's don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. But we when... said
3: anything about Jokic. I didn't mention anybody's I, I didn't name. name. Order, 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 <laughs> order, order,
1: order, 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 i just Listen. say,
0: before you catch wind again and, and get in your flow, Canyon, we need to do something about this Shaq thing because I keep accidentally crediting or hearing podcast Shaquille and accredit him with Shaquille O'Neal's shit opinions.
2: Oh, I, sorry. Yeah. I so think Shaq might
0: need to become Shaquille now because Dak's yeah. got that patented. Sorry, Shaq, you're Shaquille yeah. now. O'Neal, yeah, we've got to do yeah. that. Big
2: Shaq, as in Shaquille O'Neal, who has littered the, the Twitter sphere and the online realm with his terrible opinions, even though he was quite the player. Um, I think he's been, even even me, I've been like unfairly critical of Gobert because you would have thought for 200 M's you maybe give me a 20-piece as well. But that's clearly not his game. But as I think when it gets to the playoffs, it should be interesting because obviously they were Jokic and Jamal Murray going crazy away from reaching the next and playing the Lakers. And I think they may have been maybe a bigger challenge for the Lakers personally. But I want to see how far they go because I didn't expect them to be doing this well because I'll normally say a good Quinn Schneider team is more like a fourth to sixth seed. And when it gets to the playoffs, they kind of fall off. But I think Donovan Mitchell is really hitting his flow. And even though they don't get along, him and Go Bear have got the understanding and they put that aside to like put the team first. And you can clearly see like they're well on offense, well on defense. And you can tell the difference between bad teams who take silly shots and good teams who take better shots and also play defense. And it shows. Are they
0: they Chuck's worst nightmare with being the league's most? heavy team are they are they charles no Brown?
2: because they
3: have they have, the so <laughs> yeah, like, they have the ability they play a very they play a very simple game like they play they play defense and they take shots that they're comfortable in taking exactly like they're the guy they're leading the league in three-point shooting because they have guys that can shoot the three you know they're not Mitchell, just jacking for the sake Clarkson of it. uh Conley Bogdanovich Ingles yeah. he's all about good about to, to great three-point shooters Uh, You know, defensively, uh, Kay touched on Gobert and how good he's been defensively. Rebounding is solid for them as well. I think they're number two in the league in rebounding. So that's the good news. Uh, Jordan Clarkson looking like sixth man of the year. The bad news is, would I pick them over the Clippers or Lakers in a series regardless
2: of where they finish? No. no, That's just it. When it comes down to it, even though the role players are playing great, I don't know, to be fair. Because like you said, Jordan Clarkson looking like sixth man of the year. Conley might get a bit leggy by the playoffs. And Bogdanovich is kind of like a steady go lucky guy. And you just you get what you get with him.
1: But okay, cool. So you guys have you guys give me good reason as to why we should be paying more attention to Utah. Look like they know what they're good at and they do it well. So much so that they're now top of top of the West. However, what people haven't really come to terms with the fact that do, they have had a fairly decent fixture list as far in the, in the next few games they've got they've got the Pacers tonight they're playing against the they're playing against Yaz's Celtics they're playing against the Bucks they're playing against Miami they're playing against the Sixers then they have a two-game mini-series against the Clippers so Yaz I do want to ask you do you think this this that those, those run of games see them drop from from the first position down to maybe third fourth
0: yeah I think uh as interested as I would be to see this like, really good Utah team against a Lakers or a Clippers, especially the Clippers who are not dealing well with, with late-game execution at the moment, um, I, I do think they are third at best in the West in terms of real quality. It's not only the fixture list, right? This is the other thing that people aren't really seeing about Utah. Donovan Mitchell has missed two games all season. Apart from that, they've had the same starting five every single game. Nobody yeah. has missed time. A lot of consistency. Nobody has missed time. They've had o'neill Bogdanovich, Mitchell, Conley, Gobert, every game. No, and then Clarkson, sixth man, every game. So their rotation uh, more set than anyone in the NBA, and that is gonna. That's gonna. That's gonna matter. Like you talk about their win streaks, eleven games. It was fantastic, and they're really good. <laughs> like I don't want to take it away from them. Snyder's really good. Um, they got seven guys shooting over 40%. Like they're, they're really good. But that consistency has allowed them to, to, to have this momentum. So I think they'll still do well in these fixtures coming up. I have them over I, I think Pacers play a lot of zone defense. I think that could be a bit of a nightmare if you're gonna just let Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson go off. Um, especially with Gobert in there in the paint, maybe moving things and stuff. I think I think Pacers could struggle. I think we'll struggle against them as well um i don't think we match up particularly well to them but i think it's it's less about the opponents and more about the consistency they've been able to have that no one else has and once that levels out post season that would be my main 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 worry for them but but they've been so good and again it's like maybe they're not my favorite to watch but but they are they are um a good watch like my favorite to watch which will come on to later played them recently and it just was it was no contest like i think like 20 um 16 of their wins have been double digits or something like that. Or not 16 of their wins. Of their wins, about 75% of them have been with double digits. Like they just flame teams off. Um so they are. I would just say
3: one good. thing. It is interesting to see uh Clarkson, former Laker, Randall, former Laker, and um Larry you Nance know, come to mind.
1: Oh no no, my bad, my
2: bad. I, I was
3: thinking uh, Ingram, former Laker. D-Lo yeah how they're all thriving post-label D-Lo firing is d (laughs) thriving one day we're going to talk about the Lakers and the lack Dilo of Is Lonzo frying K,
1: K, K. We, Lonzo? Don't, don't worry, we, we we can hear you, bro. Don't worry, we heard, we heard, <laughs> we heard. Okay, look, you know what? Fair enough. Perhaps some players can't handle the spotlight. Okay, cool. We we get, it. we get. It. It's a poor excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but look, but look, he's he's showing his worth. Now it's up to him to actually show it when it matters in the postseason. So yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that. In the meantime, I do want to go over to to Houston really quickly before we before we move on to um Yaz's favorite entertaining team. Houston Rockets look like they've looked like a decent team. Who would have thought it without without James Harden? They've had Victor Oladipo, they've um re- play Victor Oladipo, Boogie Cousins, and John Wall rediscovering their amazing All Star form. I I can't believe it. It's it's incredible to watch Christian Wood. I'm so happy for him. We spoke about his journey into the NBA recently on this podcast. He's obviously got injured quite recently. Um, it was an ankle e- injury. Fortunately, it's not as bad as initially feared. So that's that's great to hear. He's having a fantastic season so far, uh, averaging 22 points and 10 rebounds this season. They've literally just lost the other day to San Antonio. Otherwise, they would have had a, uh, above 500 record in the West. Yaz, talk to me about this Houston Rockets team.
0: Should we be looking out for them? Are, are they rising up the ladders? Can they make a playoff well, push? One thing, Victor Oladipo was was hitting all-star form in like his first two games. And now he started stinking it up again. And I was really excited for Oladipo in Houston. I was like, I thought, mm. oh, no, this will be good. Um, But no, they're, they're good, man. And I think look, Silas is almost doing, Stephen Silas' coach doing the opposite of Rick Carlisle. He's looking at who he has and he's thinking, okay, cool. Talent-wise, maybe we're not there. But there's, there's a lot of good players, but there's no great ones really, um, considering the injuries that Boogie and, and John Wall have had. But... He's just making them defend really, really aggressively, really, really well. You've got it's basically chip on your shoulder FC or BC basketball club is is Wood who was passed the parcel, mm. Oladipo who who <laughs> has, has never got that sort of real respect that he feels he deserves. Even um, after yeah, right. John Wall who's been ditched by Washington. Boogie who is like like a kid that no one wants at this yeah,
1: point.
0: Um, like It's, it's chip yeah. on your shoulder, FC. And I think that the Harden leaving was just a weight off everybody. And I think yeah. it allowed them to, again, have another common thing to come together around. Um, Eric Gordon's playing like Harden's been bullying him for the last two years because all, like, <laughs> all of a sudden now he's banging 23 points a game or something I, like that. I can't, I can't believe it what I'm seeing, to be fair. He, he, he's in his bag. I think, yeah. And and they got some nice um, bench pieces. Noir cool. I like Daniel House. Uh, Jason I like Luwaba.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, decent players, man. I don't think I think they'll get play in, but I don't think they'll have enough quality to uh, really be a playoff contender. But I'm just happy for them, bruv. Like it was such yeah. a shit start to the year. Like everyone there was miserable. I'm buzzing for Silas because he just seems like a cool guy. Been yeah. around the league forever. A coach that people really respect and like. And he just walked into a shit show. And so I'm just buzzing that for now, at least, he's got this team that are playing really hard, playing really uh, committed, and, and are just are just playing for each other, really. Um, and yeah, they lost to San Antonio last night, but it was tight till the end. And, and I, I like this San Antonio team as well, who are creepily, creepily near the fourth seed at the moment, by the way. But anyway. Oh, no. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe someone disagrees. I don't see... Who- uh, I'm with you, yes. I agree. The thing is,
3: I can't, I can't rule out a team from the playoffs in the West because, I mean, as currently you have one and a half games separating fourth from 11th and then two and a half games separating fourth from 13th. So, you know, like anything could lit- literally happen. You know, if, if one player gets COVID, that could be your season done kind of thing. And you don't want that happening in the last 20 to 30 games of the season. I think the thing with the Rockets is, yes, they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league, um, post Harden trade. Offensively, I feel like they're a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team, in the sense that when those threes are falling, then you're going to see them, you know, what was it score 45 or something in the first quarter versus the, uh, versus the Thunder? Or 48 or something? When the threes aren't falling, you're going to see them just lag along like you did last night with the Spurs in the second and third quarter and then lo and behold when their their defense starts clicking and their three start falling it's like the way the rockets played in the fourth quarter last night compared to the second and third quarter was completely different everyone and started like, running everyone was yeah, running which, which rockets are you going to get that second what um, was ugly yeah which rockets team are you going to uh, is going to turn up today um so it's good to see that like they're playing well post harden i just think they need to be a little bit more consistent before they pose more of a threat out west
2: yeah I agree, and I think the main thing as well, the overhanging thing as well, is just the health more than anything. Like mm. not just the COVID protocols, but the fact that John Wall, even though he's playing fantastic off his Achilles, we want to see how long that lasts because this is an eight, this is a congested, this is a condensed season, and they're playing a lot of games in a short period of time. You've got Boogie, who's had his injury problems the last three, four years. This is a if we from if people remember what he was, this is a probably a one eighty million over five year kind of guy, but he's reduced to the league minimum now because he tore his Achilles. So, again, his fitness. And then Oladipo as well. Like, he had a short stint. Like, I don't know if anyone remembers when he went went back to Indiana. He said, I'm happy to be home. I've gone to college here. It's really good. Then, of course, this NBA moves quick. Before you know it, he's injured. And Sabonis is the man. And all of a sudden, he wants out. So, now he's at Houston. And like I said, all-star form for like two, three games. And all of a sudden, like, he started bricking again. So, the main thing is, like um, Greg said as well, consistency. Not just, like, on offense, but as well, just on injuries. Because they're three best players not including Wood, of course, happen to be injury-prone.
0: What well, I will say, though, I like I like that it's a post-Hardin era with all the picks they have. Yeah. I like what they're building, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And they're not attached to Maury ball anymore. Oh, thank God for that. Because that run... Oh, thank God. That run-and-gun shooting nonsense. I'm, I'm done with it. And Harden even alluded to himself, which is pretty ironic because he still kind of plays that way because he's basically in the system now. But he said... I've come there, I've been there for good five, six years, whatever. And I've had to have the ball in my hands because that's how we played. Um, but that's not obviously how I, the only way I know how to play basketball. So that's basically been drilled into them via D'Antoni. And it's funny because he's back with him now. And obviously Maury, because obviously system ball, like money ball. But at the same time, we can now see there's more ways to score the basketball than just running, gun, and shooting threes. And don't get me wrong, they're not a good shooting team. But at the same time, they still have the ability to like shoot the three as well, and there's like ranges to the offense because they're well coached defensively, and ultimately that brings you more buckets.
1: Yeah, I I, I will say I haven't I have enjoyed more watching um the Rockets this year, particularly for Christian Wood just because of that personal story in particular, but. I do, I do have to say that chip on your shoulder FC thing is so key. It is nice, I think, just as a as an NBA fan to see the likes of Boogie, to see the likes of Deeper. Obviously, he's a Nigerian man. I'm a Nigerian man. I always want them to succeed. Um, unlike Yanis, um, uh, who else? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> no. 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 He's not Nigerian,
2: mate. He's not. He's not one of us, bro. He's, just, yeah, he's, he's not, one of the. He's not. a Greek man. though. Um, no.
1: John Wall was well, obviously he had that really long injury where he obviously hurt himself in his own home, which was really interesting and weird. Um, but yeah, he's come back and, and he's he's looked fantastic. He's still as quick as ever. But from Houston, we want to introduce a brand new series that we have here at Courtside Frackers. It's more of a mini series. It's teams that are going under the radar, but they're playing some great basketball and their stocks are on the rise. So buy them while they're nice and low. Why should you care about the Charlotte Hornets, Hornets? Charlotte Hornets, Mr. Yes. Tell us why we should care about this team. You're on mute, my guy.
0: That's how excited I got. That's how excited I got. Because they're the best team to watch in the NBA. That's why, bruv. Like, and I said this online and someone came at me, they're trash, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what? They kind of are.
0: They kind of are a bit trash. But I don't care. For like, the, for the viewing experience of enjoying basketball, there's no one I enjoy watching more. Um, Like, you've got so many factors to it. You've got Haywood hitting better numbers than he did in Utah, sort of backing himself and doing really, really well there. Um, in the last last, uh, last, game I watched against Utah, um, funnily enough, they went small where they started LaMelo, Devontae Graham, and Terry Rosier, which was yeah. just sick. And they were rapid and it was fun. Got blown out, of course. I don't care. <laughs> it, was it was amazing. But on, on Graham and Haywood and LaMelo, and then Cody Zella, the ugliest man on the planet. They have like, they have like four of the best passers per position in the NBA. Haywood's a great passer as a wing. Um, Lamello is Lamello and speaks for himself. Devontae mm. actually like a really, really clever little passer. And Cody Zeller's sick as like a five who's at the, at the crux of everything. Obviously he's not he's not jockish, but he, he, he does his thing like Cody Zella, he's, he's a good player to watch. Um, and they just move the ball if you look at the numbers it, you see it immediately when you watch them like it's a pure equal offense or that's what they're trying to do lamelo lamelo on his last start tried to ironically i made the video about it but he tried to fuck with that just a little bit he got a bit happy yeah yeah, yeah. sorry sorry I, I i'd have to cut you, you off your starts a little bit when you're when you're a young rookie how <laughs> <Yeah, man. laughs> so you get he got a little bit happy. those 93s was uh, not very Charlotte but yo, let me tell Wait, you that
1: yes, yes, Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I do have. I'm 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 cutting you off to, to big you up because just on that note, um, we have released another courtside focus focusing on Lamelo Ball. So please check it out. Yaz yes, does a fantastic job. Yeah, go on, Yaz, yes, as you were saying.
0: Like you see it as soon as you see as soon as you watch them that they move the ball and it's like. Charles Bartley needs to sit down I doubt he's probably watched them all year to be fair they don't watch
2: basketball I promise you they
0: don't (laughs) (laughs) they
2: just see condensed clips of all the good and bad things and then make their minds up the man has not watched them
0: all year but he should he should sit down and actually watch them because they are a proper proper team if you actually look at the number it's not even just me saying it right they have uh, the most touches per possession like per player so the ball moves of those touches their second last in average second per touch. So the ball moves hands, rapid, rapid, rapid. It's bop, bop, bop. Um, they're fifth in paint touches, which that becomes apparent when you watch them as well, because they they often go into this little sort of, um, it's like a zonal offense where they got Cody in the middle in the paint and they they really sort of like step and jab with those paint touches. They trick you into closing to then kick it out for someone, but they do it really, really well. They move it then around the perimeter really well. They have the most points off assists in the NBA. They're second in ground covered, which you see it when you watch them. You'll have two men like pulling a screen that don't even matter. Like no one's even going to that side of the court and they're still doing a pin down. Like, it's sick. Everyone's bought in. Um, and they're fourth in opponent turnovers. So they force turnovers all the time. They try and get out and make steals and whatever. Probably why they get popped half the time, but Hey, it's still good to watch. Um, and they're just sick. And then you've got the lamello, Bridges' connection in terms of just running the floor in transition. The maddest dunks you're going to see in the NBA and the lob passes. Malik Monk's catching fire now, who a lot of people were kind of writing him off. Listen, I'm going to let you lot talk, but the Charlotte Hornets are the best team to watch in the NBA straight up. And I know Greg is a Hornets guy right now as well.
3: Yeah, they are. I think, you know, every year you have... um, you know, the teams that like, the most nationally televised games. And then you have like one or two teams that are just like a league pass team. Like you, you won't see them on TV a lot. They're not going to yeah. be on national TV, yeah. ESPN, ABC, but they're just hella fun to watch. And this year, uh, the Hornets, I think, are my league pass team, along with the Cavs as well, actually. But um, number one, definitely the Hornets. Like to see LaMelo, his progression so far this season um, has been good. He's had his struggles, you know, his turnovers and whatnot. Bridges, as Yas mentioned, is exciting to watch. Who uh, Hayward? Sorry, is is playing? You know, some of the best ball of his career. Obviously, coming off of that injury and the, and the Celtics years, Um they're just all around a good team to watch. Not the best of teams. They're going to hover around that eighth, ninth, tenth spot in the in the East. But if you want to watch fun basketball, there there's few teams in the league more fun than the Hornets to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm with it. I, I for one, I'm definitely enjoying enjoying the Hornets. Um, me. I have to say, there's one player I'm I'm enjoying watching. It's, it's ter- Terry Rozier is is fantastic. He's, obviously, he's, he's he's averaging his his highest points per game. He's just he just looks like someone who's just a bit of a madman when he when he when he when he came <laughs> to got play the game. The spirit
2: of madness in him. He's got that spirit of Russ in him. obviously, he's just a slightly better shooter as well.
0: When my, yeah. missus, when my when he was at the Celtics, my missus would see him, and there was a few to be fair, including Smart and Rob Williams, and like at different parts of London, like we'll call it different things. But she's like, oh my god that guy belongs in a Prue or a Centre or an AP. Like, you know, a school where you got kicked out of school and you had to go Centre or you had to go Prue. Yeah. Harry Rosier is that guy where he would have just sat in any classroom and just broken something for no reason. Like he's Exactly. Also, <laughs> the best way possible. I, I miss him a little bit just because he's hilarious.
2: Just the destruction.
0: But he's found the perfect, like, again, like, James Borrego, the coach there, is just using him well. Like, you got Graham and Mellow and Hayward to playmake. So Terry Rose, they don't have to worry about making good decisions. Yeah, half the time. Very true. He's a shooter. He's never really been a point guard, point guard like that. Like he, he's not got the, he, he's not got the smarts for it, if I'm being completely fair. Yeah. Um, so that's why you're seeing the best of him as well. Like, and that's why he's able to just go and dunk through Durant and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. And even with like going back to Hayward, like 11th year in the league, putting up a career high. It, it takes to be a box score bandit, but 23 a game. And this is a man that pe- including myself, that was written off after leaving um, the Celtics, of course, long-term injury, shooting 42% from three and forty and almost 50% Amazing. at 30. And, I, and the thing is as well, it's very easy to put up numbers on a bad team, but it's also very hard. at like the other side, it's also hard to put up these kind of numbers while doing it efficiently as well, which I think he needs a lot of credit for because you don't put up those numbers and be efficient and not be like a contributing member to some of their success, even though your team might be bad.
0: Just so last point, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff tried rinse me. He's not here on the pod. I hope he hears it. Jeff tried rinse me for trying to say Hayward was like our second, third best player last season. So I'm yeah, just glad that he's no. actually doing his.
2: No, I've got respect for Hayward because like I said, like you can't put up those numbers along with like, if you want to look at the stats, whatever, like you can't put up these kind of numbers efficiently and be bad on a bad team. Like we've seen players who are forced to put up numbers on bad teams and their numbers normally take a hit. And no, no matter how good you are, unless you're Steph or whatever, if you're on a bad team, you're not shooting forty percent from three, especially if you're taking let's see how many a game, five a game. Like, come on now. So last thing as well, the Hornets commentary crew is one
3: of the best in the league as well. They're they're fun to listen to.
0: Del Curry, Del Curry is sick. I like Del Curry, oh, and, oh, and whoever guy. like the main guy is he he makes you care as well.
3: If, mm. if he's so he's so like. On invested it. in the team. <laughs> it. I've
0: never seen so
3: make, They there. make one good play and he's like he's screaming the mic down.
0: Let's <laughs> go! <laughs> and they haven't watched the Hornets and they have league pass. If if we've not made you care about the Charlotte Hornets, the local commentary team will. They just yeah. will. Like, Del Curry was funny as well because he's laid back compared to the other fella, and he was like when Lamelo was hitting four threes, he was really surprised, and he was just yeah. like, oh. Oh, he's he's hit another one. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a sick commentary team. That's a quality shout. That's a quality. We
2: got the Hornets, and the fact is they're in the East, so you don't know what's going to happen at trade deadline. I don't think they should make too many moves, but depending on how well their season goes, I don't see it. Being they need. They fetched need. They'll be playing. They, they do need to to a centre. Like, I mean, Herland Gomez isn't is it.
0: I love Bismack, but poor Bismack is playing way yeah. too many minutes for that team.
2: This uh, is it, and I mean, like you said, like like I said, you never know what's going to happen by the trade deadline, and. They shouldn't be too far from looking at lest we can be a playing team. Like I don't think that's too far fetched for them.
1: Lovely, 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 lovely. I think if that's not convinced you to watch the Charlotte Hornets, I'm more, we're not really too sure what else will. But like Yas says, at least at least give the commentary team a listen to. And that, my friends, that is the end of the episode for this week. We will see you on Wednesday for our very next um, courtside fracker episode. And next week you'll have another team why you should be paying more attention to. Thank you very much, Greg, Yaz, and Kay. And we will see you next week. Take care. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.